If you are interested in the life-changing power of self-compassion, if you are curious about shadow work, if you want to be more receptive to higher guidance, well, hello, I am Danielle Laporte, and this is With Love, Danielle. Hello, my loves. We're going to shake it up today with a before and after the spirituality edition. Welcome to With Love, Danielle. I'm going to get into five things I do and things I don't do anymore in order to be sane and relatively radiant. Let's talk about prayer. So my before version of prayer was that it was very performative in that I was always showing up to source, to God, with my requests as a good girl. I wanted acknowledgement as, you know, the beloved daughter who was worthy of getting what she was asking for. So I'd always bring like my best game to God that, uh, first of all, you know, I'm grateful to be here. <laughs> Wear my best. Wear my Sunday best. But I always felt that I needed to be thinking positively, that I needed to have some inner resolve and strength to really show up sort of before the Lord, you could say, to be granted whatever I was craving for. And I became aware that there was some shame mixed into my prayer practice, a heaping dose of lack of trust that life was going to deliver on what I wanted. And then I was really perpetuating this ridiculous conversation around worthiness or unworthiness. So I will show up as shiny, as dedicated, as loyal, as positively thinking, as high vibe as I can in order to make it known to creation itself that I am worth delivering to. And you know what that is? That is exhausting. <laughs> it's what it is. When I really came to that revelation, I felt a lot of sadness about that because it actually had me feel really disconnected from what I want to be most connected to, which is life itself and the ever-generative power of the Divine Mother and the Divine Father. And so I started to pray in a very different way. I started to have more intimate conversations with the higher. So my before in terms of prayer was showing up acting as if I was worthy. My after in terms of prayer was what I would call more naked prayer, more intimate prayer, which is, dear life, this is the condition that I'm in right now, and this is what I think I want. I might not even be clear on what I want. As vulnerable as possible with what's powering my life. And that allowed for me to see my own fears with more clarity and more compassion my own manipulativeness. I mean, underneath all of that, I'm actually trying to gain God, right? 
just a little bit manipulative with, with infinity. How ridiculous, right? And that manipulativeness, if you can relate to that, for most of us, it translates into all of our relationships. I mean, what I'm really seeing lately is that so much relationship is really just a dance of manipulation to get our needs met that we really don't believe we are worthy of, but are driving all of our actions. I think we fear if we show up as our most naked, vulnerable, dysfunctional, powerful, brilliant selves that either no one's going to want to be with us or everyone else will be afraid of us. So my after now is vulnerable prayer, honest prayer, intimate prayer. And then also there's another layer to it, which is what I would call inclusive prayer, where I tend to pray now in concentric circles. So whenever I'm asking for anything, whether it's may this meal be blessed and may it nourish my body, or may a million people read how to be loving, I always add in the benefit of others to this. So I often work with a dedication of merit. It's so simple. I begin my day with this. I often say it before I take my vitamins, anything that I really feel is benefiting me. It goes like this. I dedicate the merits of this practice to the awakening of all beings and the purification of the greater mother, our planet Gaia. I dedicate the merits of this practice. It could be the merits of this meal, the merits of this healing, to the awakening of all beings. Everybody, everybody is in. And the purification of the greater mother, our planet Gaia. Because this is what's happening currently on the planet. The mother earth and our relationship to the elements of the body of the mother is being purified. We're getting into right relationship with the earth, more specifically with Gaia. I think Gaia is a more powerful term for the mother. That is her name as opposed to just thinking the earth in general or the earth that we walk on. No, the name of the mother is Gaia, also known as Panchamama. All right, back to inclusive prayer. I often work with the Metabhavana prayer, which I've actually done as a solo podcast episode. If you just do a search for Metabhavna, Meta, M-E-T-T-A, you can go back again and again to that episode as a prayer to just listen to and bask in or to recite along with me. It's inclusive in that you offer the prayer to yourself and then you offer the prayer specifically to, to someone that you're directing it to. So that could be one person, it could be a group of people, you know them, you don't know them, they could be past, present, they could be in your future, right? So first yourself, may I, and then may you, and then you offer the prayer to all beings everywhere. May I be happy, may I be healthy, may I be free of suffering, may I be free of mental anxiety, may I live in peace, may my life be blessed with ease. And then you say, may you be happy and on. And then may we be happy, and on. And I've adopted that kind of sequencing to my really personal prayers. So may I be well in all ways. And then I'll think of someone specifically. 
my partner or everybody in my membership or everybody in my city or everybody I've ever met in my entire life. May you be well in all ways. And then I give it to everybody. May we be well in all ways. Very thorough. Okay, another before and after. The category is healers. My before approach was that I was ever so slightly hooked on getting outside input. Before I sat down with myself, just quiet and still, whether going for a walk or actually sitting in lotus position on my cushion in my living room, to ask my body what it needed for healing and what was really going on. Before I did that, my default was to call my healer or to call anybody who seemed like a healer and ask them first, what do you see? Do you get a scan? How's my energy body? What's going on in my sacrum? What do you think the supplement is? Do I need more garlic? Do I need more vitamin D? What is it? Is there a cord that I need to cut? Now my after, my growth approach with healers is I go to them secondly. I feel that it is my duty to not waste a healer's time, that I need to go having done my own work, my own introspection, and then maybe they'll see more, and then maybe we can confer in terms of what's happening, why it might be happening, and what the solutions are. So there's that. Me first, healer second. And then the other layer to this is I now see the healers in my life as sitting on my council instead of being my authorities, that I am a great healer of me. And on a good day, I might actually be able to extend some wisdom, some light, some love, a solution to somebody else when they're temporarily blind to their own solutions, and I can be a healer to other people. So I own my capacity to get my own light work done. And I see that the healers that I have been blessed with in my life, energy workers and different kind of gurus and teachers and spiritual directors, they are all just as human as I am. And it's not about me bringing anyone down a notch so that I can look through my ego to say, oh, we're all actually equal here. I know that there are so many ways that I am not as qualified, not as gifted as some of the really gifted people in my life but I have my own gifts and my capacity to heal myself is really what I need to focus on. So I look at my healers as advisors, as friends. I look at my healers as temporarily more capable than I am in some departments. Before and after in the category of dating. So the before was I wanted my king. I wanted my king. I wanted to go for that polarity, you know, the divine masculine and the divine feminine. My king was going to be a match to my queenness, someone who's super masculine, who's accomplished lots. I, I always thought I was going to be with some baller from New York or L.A. who had like five businesses. I'm currently, and probably perpetually, uh, very deeply in love and committed to a man who ends up being a king but that's actually not part of the story here the the after my after now 
which came at the beginning of my relationship with my current guy, was that I learned to give every man I met the benefit of the doubt of being an incredible human being who was on their way to being whole, just like me. No one needs to have fully arrived and be completely polished and in charge of a kingdom in order to earn my respect. I started to see how this king and queen desire was really keeping me from the down-to-earth, really wholesome in that way of wholeness, like there's intimacy in every area of the relationship. It's really keeping me away from that. And I had all of these images that I really think were like sketched out by my shadow self of what a king would look like and sound like and what they were doing in the world. And the man who ended up winning my heart, although he didn't even need to work to win it, he was just so strong and lovely and radiant. It was just like, I'm here, let's build something together. Yeah, he, I'll tell you, this is, I think I have his permission to tell you, I'll tell you this, yeah. I'll get his permission after and then (laughs) press, press send to my producer on this. His name is Will. And I told Will at the beginning, you know, I'm really looking for my king. Now, hoping he was going to step up and say, I'm your king, baby. And he said, why would I want to be better than anybody else? I was like, whoa. Whoa. That is so low on ego and high on love and inclusiveness. Ironically, spoken like a true king. So the before really had an image of what a leader of love looked like. And then on the way, I trained myself to find the loving leadership in absolutely everybody. And what did that bring me? That brought me to now, which is in love with a leader of love. Let's talk about pain. My before approach for processing pain was that I was going to do it on my own. And on my own could also mean that I was going to call my psychotherapist and the coach and the shaman and an astrologer. I was going to get the job done. And now my after approach to pain is I give my pain up to God. I feel I know that the divine does not want me to suffer. Never, ever, ever. I cause most of my suffering. My soul, I think, with some mercy, dispenses my suffering as growth points, as opportunities for me to bring things back into balance. Bring things back into balance, also known as karma. Rectifying, burning your karma. But there was a hesitation in me before of giving my pain over to God because, again, I wanted to be that good, accomplished, very capable, deserving daughter of the divine. So I just always proceeded with, I'll I'll work this out on my own and I'm not going to bother God with it. Even though there were lots of times I begged for mercy to be healed, to have something cleaned up for me to be out of some kind of agony. But now, (laughs) I give my pain over to God, the goddess, on my walks. In addition to giving my joy over to life, 
giving all of my blessings, my capacities, my gifts. I give the love that I have with my beloved partner over to life. I used to swim in the ocean and give my physical agony that I was in at one point over to the ocean. I give my fear to the mother. I give my longing. I give my embarrassment, my shame of my own manipulation and greed and arrogance. I give that all over. That is for me my way of giving my life to God and opening myself up to that golden prana, that light frequency that happens in that dance of intimacy with source. Have it all. Devour every part of me and return me all to light. So I don't withhold the ugly parts anymore. I don't withhold the part of me that's bleeding and needy, nor my brilliance, nor my power. I give it all to God. All right, winding down on the before and after. Personality tests and labels in general, but more specifically personality tests. Oh my God, I used to love a great survey about who I am. Uh, Myers-Briggs and Strength Finder and Enneagram and my five planets in Virgo and my Venus and Aries and all that, all that. So I used to love identifying with all those labels. I thought it really helped people have access to me. It helped me know who I should be right now. I am an introvert, and therefore I am not going to talk to anybody at this party, right? But it's all programming, I believe. Is some of that stuff great to help you wake up to who you are? Like, wow, those are the habits I've had. That explains a lot. It doesn't mean that's who you are on a soul level. You are beyond the habits you've had for a lifetime. You're beyond your astrological chart, even though that astrology is going to inform how you dance through life and what you pull in. But I've stopped doing all the tests. I've stopped reading about what a four is on the Enneagram. Never really loved it anyway, because fours on the Enneagram were just always longing. So I use them like a little bit of spice in a dish sometimes to refer to. But now my after, in terms of this before and after, is that I follow my heart with what works today, who I am here, and who I am now. I'm done with a lot of the labels. I could see how letting myself be directed by the label of introvert kept me from some great conversations and getting to know people. Having some of these labels actually started to feel confusing for me because I could feel my heart leaning into being more extroverted and more social and more chatty. And I'd be like, hey, wait a second. You know, according to all the personality tests of introverts, I'm supposed to regain all of my energy and solitude. It's not necessarily so all the time. We are more than our types. We are more than our past. We are more than our name. We are so much more vast than the game of social acceptance. Before labels, after the power of you now. All right, that's my list of my before and after the spirituality edition. I should do a business edition. If you are digging this podcast, if anything has created a little bit of heart melting for you or another conversation around love, 
it actually really counts towards the success of this and us really dominating the evil algorithms. If you go leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you're on social media, and if you want to do any kind of posting about your before and after, the spirituality edition, and then you drop my Instagram handle in that post, maybe we will share that love. Do your thing. Drop in at Danielle Laporte, which is where you find me on Instagram. This year has been the most amazing ride with the success of the How to Be Loving book. We've really just begun, and I am given more and more and more. We now have the How to Be Loving journal and deck to help you go deeper into your heart and carry your light into the world, wherever you like to purchase books. All right, my loves, thank you for being on this ride with me to talk about prayer and healers and dating and how we process pain and all those things about a personality that we are not. Here's to love. See you next week. Thank you so much for listening, for feeling, for spreading the word with love.